Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Of course, the best place in the world, really, to get Carolina gear, JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got uh, two special guests on this podcast. I've led up to it a little bit. And they're special to me because it's been such a while since we've talked. I've got Jason Staples, first time in a while for Jason, at least with me. And I've got Buck Sanders. So we've kind of got the band back together. And Jason, let's give Buck a little bit of a hard time. I mean, this used to be like the the threesome that was the power couple or the power (laughs) threesome. And lately, Buck's been with John and Don. (laughs) You had to use that word. (laughs) We, golf. we love everybody. We're, we're talk- yeah, we're talking golf, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Buck, we we do feel like you've been you've been uh, playing golf with uh, with the others a little bit more, but you know we're we're glad to have you back. Well, I just have to apologize if I've offended anybody because you know I, I can't uh, think of a better dream team than the three of us. You know, it's uh, I'm glad to be back together. It's fun to be talking about. X's and O's. Uh, I enjoy talking recruiting with uh, John and Don, but you know, there's nothing I like to delve into more than the X's and O's of stuff, and I think that's where I, we'd like to head uh, tonight. Indeed. So let me bring in Jason right out the gate. Let's get right down to it. Jason, you attended Mac Brown's coaching clinic um, recently. I can't remember. I guess it was this past weekend or weekend before last. Just a huge event. Mac Brown brought in, of course, Urban Meyer. Um, which I thought would have been incredible to hear him speak about football. But there was more to that clinic than just Meyer's appearance. Jason, just give us an overview um, before we sort of dig down into the nuts and bolts of it and everything you learned and, and quite frankly, were impressed with throughout that process. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't get it, get too much into uh, into – the sort of behind the scenes stuff that, that, you know, as, as all these things are, uh, are, you know, they, they'll, they'll reveal lots of stuff, but I will talk about a lot of things that, uh, that I did pick up uh, in, in the clinic that I think Carolina would be happy with in terms of, uh, of, of having out there. So, so just to put that out there for those who might be worried about that, we're, we here at inside Carolina, we're not, uh, we're not going to reveal anything that would be behind the scenes kind of stuff here, but, in, with the clinic in general, I have to say, I mean, I've been to the Carolina clinic the last last few years. Uh, I also have gone this year. I went to the Clemson clinic and the Florida State clinic as well. I normally will try to make it to to more than that in in terms of uh, of just trying to keep up with the field and keep up with what's happening in 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 the game. But it was interesting to be there this year, especially after being at Clemson after winning a second national title in three years. I mean, that's a huge clinic these days. Uh, the Florida State Clinic, uh, you know, also proud program and all of this. But it was really interesting with Carolina. The energy and all of that was really high. I mean, a lot of that is just Mac being back and people being excited to be there. But another thing that I got to say is they did a really first class job of hosting. They did a I mean, it, a lot of the sort of thing that you need to do in these clinics is you're welcoming these these various coaches, a lot of whom have players that you're going to be recruiting across your own state. And there are people in town from Georgia and from Virginia and and elsewhere. I mean, people came in from from a ways away. Uh, but you're you're wanting to put your best fa- best foot forward as a program. And I got to say, Mac, th- this is one thing where you know there's something to having a Hall of Fame coach who's been there, done that at a at a place like Texas, where you know Texas in Texas those clinics are serious and hosting this kind of clinic, you can see that he went out went out and got the best people around him possible, even down to the people who run this, you know, who, who put on this kind of show. Uh, and all, all clinics are pretty much the same. I mean, you're going to have your guest speaker uh, or, or two uh, who's going to share about something related to, co- to coaching, something important. Uh, and then, you know, if it's a scheme, if it's a more of a scheme presentation, you get one thing, uh, you know, Urban presented on uh, – basically make, making sure that you connect with your players and, and certain aspects of ga- of gaining trust and all of that. Um, 
then you'll have your your coordinators that'll talk. You're gonna ha- oftentimes you'll have some time for your head coach to to talk or present on something, and then you're gonna have your strength coach be the early morning everywhere this for whatever reason it's you know the strength coach is often is almost always going to be the early morning session on on a saturday if if you're going to do it on a saturday or if clemson they do it uh they always do theirs thursday friday that early morning session that's what you're going to that's when you're going to have the strength coach talk and do his presentation uh and then you know a couple more presentations from position coaches and that sort of thing and usually the final night or the first night of your clinic if you do these two-day things which a lot of a lot of uh staffs do there's chalk talk type stuff where you get to meet with various position coaches of your of your group and you you'll go through tape, you'll go through you'll go through some whiteboard stuff, you know, this sort of thing, asking them questions about how they do certain things, what they emphasize and all of that. And that's where things get really granular. And I have to say Carolina put on a really really good clinic this year. I mean, it was first class. And I <laughs> it, there there's something there's also something I have to mention. I mean, Mac Brown putting in the lesson in leadership that first night when he's going from group to group because they did the uh it was an interesting way to do the chalk talks where instead of dividing up in in the film rooms they divided up into into various corners of the blue zone area in the indoor club area of the blue zone uh where each position coach and coordinator had a specific area that you could go in and you could kind of float back and forth if you wanted to see a little bit of one guy and talk to him you could do that and move over and talk to another guy well, Mac is there moving from group to group and he, you know, he comes to a group and he asks, you know, Hey, we, you know, we just got the pizza order and some wings. Is anybody hungry? Anybody need something to drink? I don't want you guys to get up, you know, want to make sure you can stay here and spend your time with the coaches, but I'll be happy to bring you a plate of, of whatever food you need, or if you need a drink or whatever, and I'm sitting there going, man, this has got to be the highest paid waitress <laughs> in the country, but there's something to him just going around and it's completely authentic. He would absolutely have gotten a plate of whatever for anybody in our group had they wanted it to go and do that. And there's, I mean, again, there's something to that kind of that, that I thought typified the weekend in terms of the way that they, the atmosphere that they cultivated at this event. And I think that's going to go a long way in terms of, it goes a long way in terms of establishing relationships. Jason, uh, one of the things that I heard, not just from you behind the scenes, but from multiple people behind the scenes, uh, was that uh, Brian Hess was sort of the star of the event and not just in being impressive in terms of having uh, state of, uh, you know, the science programs for, you know, how to do S&C, you know, the, the technical piece of it. Uh, it wasn't just breaking down. Here's how we lift and, and, this is how we're going to do it. This is our program moving forward. But just in terms of his persona, that he was someone that came across as knowledgeable, but not arrogant, somebody that didn't have to be necessarily the smartest guy in the room, but was extremely competent in terms of his knowledge and just came across as someone that you can relate to. And for an audience of high school coaches, which is a tougher audience than just fans, talk a little bit about how that came across in terms of just his persona and how he presented himself, how he carried himself. I, I, I tell you what, I agree with whoever you talked to that said that that guy was super impressive because, you know, if you were going to design a strength coach in the lab, in terms of the the various traits and characteristics that would come across in something like this, that's what you got. And, uh, you know, he's going to be worth every penny they're paying him and they better make sure they keep him. Th- th- I mean, I asked a couple things uh, of him that uh, that weren't real easy in terms of just answering quickly, answering in terms of how how they're going to do certain things. And, you know, he, he was able to really boil everything down for, you know, anybody in the audience, anybody in the inside Carolina audience would have understood what he was talking about and, and doing that, you know, just being able to really simplify the, the complex, I think was something that, that came across. He's really able to do that well. And then at the same point, how many guys, let me ask you this again. This goes. This connects back to the same kind of lesson in leadership from Mac Brown. But how many strength coaches, especially given the the nature of these guys, 
that, that you, you typically see. How many guys are going to then ask the room of high school coaches, guys, what is it at the end of a presentation? Okay, let me ask you this. What is it that's most valuable that I can give you? And what, and, 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 you know, if we're hosting recruits here, what's the best stuff? Like what can, what can help you guys the most and what can help those recruits the most when we host them? I'll, I want to hear anything that we're doing or that we're not doing. I want to know what, what you think is the most valuable stuff. How many guys are going to ask that question of that group? Now guys should be asking that question. But it takes a certain kind of humility to say, listen, I, I don't have all the answers here on this. I, I want to actually know what do you guys think actually can can help in terms of what can I offer? What can I do to help my own program the most in this regard in terms of connecting and in terms of helping you all the most? I want to hear that. And that was one of the things we heard from not just from him, but from others in the, in, in the program at different points. This notion of if we're not doing things the best, then you know, we want to know, we want to know if you, if you think that we could do something better, we want to know what that is. So, uh, and, and Hess typified that as well, but the thing, a couple things with him, not only is he really able to, uh, was he really able to simplify some complex stuff and, and talk about how he, I mean, what he did is he talked about basically the first year in his program and how he's working to set the base base level for his players when they get into the program and how that can apply to Here's what here's what I would advise you guys do with your high school players because this will help them be ready to move through our you know a base base level program like what we have as quickly as possible and really be able to to work and it'll help them in your own program. So here's how this might apply to a high school program. It was a really really good presentation on that. Very impressive. Uh, but not only is he super able was he able to uh, to to simplify the complex, but you can see the extreme attention to detail on just the little things that he's going to put in. And there were, there are a couple things that I really like just in terms of approach that he talked about how in his, in his weight room, when his team is doing different things, when he's got them on the squat rack, everybody is going to do their squat set at the same time. So you have, you know, groups of two or three that are going to lift together. Right. And so not, every, you've got your spotter and your, and, but all the people who are on, What's going to happen is they're going to get under the bar and he's going to whistle and everybody's going to do it at the same time. That's not normal. That's not what you normally see in these, in these environments. But he talked about the rationale for it. And I found myself kicking myself that I hadn't done it that way. I was like, huh, that's really smart. And, you know, just in terms of little things like that. And again, the, the, the attention to okay, we we're gonna we're not even gonna do x x and y lifts because yeah, it can be impressive. It's nice to to do, but it takes so much more teaching than it's worth to get it right. And this here can give us ninety five percent of what that does. And if we can be another fifty percent better at that lift, then we're gonna end up being healthier and stronger for football. So we don't need to do these couple things. That's why we don't do them. It's like, huh? Yeah, I like that. So very impressed by him. And, and again, I think a, a huge asset, somebody that, that uh, North Carolina would do well to make sure that they pay well enough to keep him around, uh, you know, until he retires, I, I would think. Jason, let me ask you sort of a, a holistic question there. And it, you can draw from your um, football experience and coaching experience, certainly. But you, you mentioned how he has and some of the others asked the room, you know, what can we do to be better or something to, to that effect. But how many coaches do that these days? And I, and I say that because, <laughs> you know, every coach I've met has a way they do things come hell or high water. Um, and for some that win a ton, it's tough to argue that um, because it has worked for them. But, and you laugh there. So I, I think I know your answer, but just explain to folks how big a deal that is um, in coaching today, especially at a school like North Carolina. It's safe to say that's pretty rare. <laughs> it's not to say that you won't ever hear it, but it's safe to say that it's pretty rare because you're going to see people. First of all, coaches get comfortable with what they do. Like you said, I mean, this is what we do. And, and so on. And there is an aspect of that. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong with, with, with Carolina's program. I mean, Phil Longo is going to run Phil Longo's offense. You're not going to come in and tell him like, you know, I think you guys would be better running the eye, right? He's going to look at you and be like, 
okay, but then we, we ain't going to be better if I'm coaching the eye. <laughs> That's not what I do. Like I don't do that well. So, I mean, there's a certain point where you have to do, do what you do. But I did get the sense with this staff on lots of things that they are very, that they are very pragmatic rather than uh, dogmatic. That, that was one of the sort of takeaways that I found myself turning over in my head as I, as I was thinking about this, because I've been in a lot of clinics and, you know, you get certain, certain coaches that, you know, this is how it, this is how it must be done. This is how we, and in many cases, those coaches are right. But one of the things that stood out to me about this group of coaches is that it, it's very much a look, you know, you look at why, say, Phil Longo has his uh, his his uh, quarterbacks. And I, I did a video a little bit ago. We're going to have that up for Inside Carolina here soon about how he has his quarterbacks backpedal at, for their drop. It's like a slow backpedal rather than your typical turn your shoulders and cross your feet over drop. Right. It's a very small thing, a very small tweak in the in the pocket in terms of how he teaches his quarterbacks footwork. You, if you ask him why, he says, look. Let's just look at the numbers. All you have to do is break this down, and you can go. You can go on to uh, on to uh, what is it? Uh, we use it. Um, pro Football Focus. You can go on to Pro Football Focus and take a look at the numbers of how how well quarterbacks complete their throws to the right side of the field if they're right-handed, middle, and left. And he said, and you're going to see a quarterback that'll that'll complete the sixty-eight percent of their passes to their right. And if that quarterback completes 68% of his passes to his right, you're almost always going to see 58% or 57% to his left. Quarterbacks just get less accurate when they're doing that. And he said, but what we found is when we back out, that number on the left actually matched the number on the right. So we're giving up 10 points if we don't do it this way. So that's why we do it this way. And it's one of those like just super pragmatic, like, well, this is the way it's always done by most people. but. We don't do it that way because ultimately it, when we looked at it, it was like, well, duh, let's just do it the other way. And there, there's, that's kind of the approach. And you see the same thing with Bateman where it was like, well, you know, we could do this, this, and this, but as it turns out, the one different, the thing that's going to make the most difference for us is this based on our, based on what we, what we've seen with our personnel. If we just do this a little bit better, we're going to be 5% better right there. So let's just go ahead and do that. So there was a lot of pragmatism among the staff and you saw the same thing with Hess asking that kind of question. And that's, that's level of flexibility on some of those things and willingness to say, Oh no, you know what? I'm going to change to do it this way. Now is it, that's not especially normal. Listening to the inside Carolina podcast, certainly sponsored by Johnny t-shirt.com place to be on Franklin street to buy your Carolina gear place to be online inside Carolina's course premium subscribers get 10% off their order uh, they're always open seemingly on Franklin Street if you're in town and online 24-7 you can get all that gear locally owned and operated they're alums so they know what Carolina fans want and you can get anything Carolina related that you could possibly ever want both online and in store johnnytshirt.com the place to get your carolina gear and of course inside carolina's valuable podcast sponsors buck i want to come to you and i and i want to talk a little bit more about the coaching clinic um but one thing that makes this um, upcoming off season after the spring game interesting is that we'll be able to have these podcasts and sort of knock out the intricacies of uh, Longo's style or Bateman's style or schemes or whatever you want to call it. But Buck, I wanted to ask you this. We, we're um, four months in to the Mac Brown tenure. We're coming up on the spring game. Um, and if weather holds correctly, it should be a very good crowd on Saturday. But your thoughts just in general about, you know, when you listen to Jason talk and you, and you listen to him, because Jason was one of those guys that was pretty skeptical of Mac Brown's hire. And I think he would agree. Um, and it was contingent on uh, who he hired. And we've talked about the importance of all of that. And most importantly, uh, probably for a lot of people, the strength and conditioning. But your thoughts, they haven't played a game yet, hadn't even played a spring game yet. But just your feelings about where Carolina football is at this moment in your mind. Well, uh, first, before I really get into that, Tommy, I want to, you know, congratulate you on uh, 
And I don't know what's happened to you, but you're throwing out words like holistic and intricacies. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, maybe being around Sherelle and, you know, those other guys uh, during, uh, our time apart, you have really expanded your vocabulary. And I, I give you kudos on that. Um, in terms of where the, the fan base is, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say just my pulse of it is that a lot of people are uh, tremendously excited. At the same time, I think they're pretty pragmatic, to use Jason's word, about, you know, what's going to happen next year. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to have realistic expectations for the coming season. At the same time, I think there's so much that we can talk about in terms of being, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of, of what Mac Brown and his staff is trying to implement. Um, there was a, an article that was put up today by Lee Pace, who I have a tremendous amount of respect about, you know, for talking about uh, Jay Bateman's approach to defense. And, you know, he talked about, Bateman talked about defense in terms of uh, block destruction and tackling, how to defeat blocks and how to tackle. And he talked about how he has stolen, which all great coaches do. They steal uh, great ideas from other staffs that uh, Jay Bateman has stolen sort of uh, Pete Carroll's approach to tackling, a sort of a rugby approach to tackling, which takes the head out of uh, the tackling technique and is is more focused on shoulders and wrapping up uh, the thighs of uh, ball carriers, which, you know, I've, I've looked at Pete Carroll actually became pretty well-known and famous for a about a 20 minute, uh, video he did on how we teach our players to tackle using the rugby uh, technique, which I thought was just fascinating. And I, I watched it two years ago and I've watched it multiple times since then. Uh, and, and Bateman talked about that in that, uh, piece, uh, you know, uh, Phil Longo has talked about some of the stuff that he likes to do. In some detail, he hasn't probably gotten as much in-depth maybe in some areas, but uh, there's a lot of video out there about how he approaches offense and what he's after. You know, the, the fascinating part to me about uh, the offense and, and just the team in general is they took Corey Bell off uh, the defense where they're very thin in numbers at cornerback and put him at wide receiver because they didn't think they had enough wide receivers. Basically because Phil Longo likes to have lots of receivers. Uh, and that's going to change recruiting. They're going to recruit probably more heavily the wide receiver position than they have in the past. Um, and so – you know, there's just so much schematically that we will be able to dive into in the, uh, you know, during the season next year, that kind of really excites me. I, I really like talking about stuff like that, but, uh, you know, just overall, I think, um, you know, the coaching staff has the players believing in them and, buying into what they want to do. It, it just seems to be, uh, there, there's no pushback. There's no, uh, we used to do it this way. You know, I'm a Larry Fedora recruit and he brought me in to do X and Y and Z. And now you're telling me something different. There doesn't seem to be any of that. And I think that's very exciting, something to look forward to. And I really look forward to kind of diving in more as the season goes in into the X's and O's of all of it. And I sort of asked that question as a tease for our listeners to expect a lot of good stuff on, on those topics. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. Certainly can't do it all in one podcast. So we'll um, you'll have reason to uh, return to the show in the off season and heading into next season. Jason, let me bring you back in and, and ask maybe what the biggest question the fan base has talked about 
Um, if they're not talking about Mac Brown, they're talking about who's going to play quarterback for this team. And of course, they're three pretty solid options out there and we're still a long time from August that Labor Day weekend against South Carolina but you've had an opportunity to see though get see those guys and of course our readers and listeners have had opportunity to read uh, the scoops on the message boards and all but just what your eyes have seen you uh, have told you they are watching uh, in what limited time you have I mean certainly um, Carolina has options at quarterback wherein the past couple of years they may not have yeah I mean I won't get into too much detail in terms of the sorts of things that I saw in scrimmage just because uh you know that I, I think I want to make sure I respect my hosts on this sort of thing but um I will say that I had a very different reaction walking in and seeing these three quarterbacks throwing around this weekend than I did uh two years ago when I walked, when I, when I was at practice, I remember uh, actually, I didn't realize it was Tony Ballard, the, uh, who had actually been the, uh, the quarterback's coach for, um, for uh, one of, one of the, one of the quarterbacks a couple of years ago. But I remember being at practice and going, man, there's no Mitch Trubisky here. And just uh, to the person next to me. And it t- turned out that he was one of the, one of the quarterback coaches said, well, you know, they're young. And I was like, no, I, I saw Trubisky as a freshman and he screamed NFL. I don't see that from these guys. And, these guys, the guys that, 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 that currently there, the three that I that I saw throw, is like, well, any three of these, any one of these three, could wind up playing at that level. I'm not sure you, you got a, a Trubisky out out of that group, but you got three guys that can play, uh, and I think that was that was evident just watching them watching them throw against air, and then watching them in the scrimmage. You got three guys that can play. Um, it's they're still learning the system without question. I mean, there's some stuff that's a little slow on uh, in terms of decision making and and all of that. Uh, and I didn't think there was a huge gap between the various quarterbacks. Um, but you know, they've got some interesting decisions to make in terms of uh, of which quarterback is is going to work. I mean, I've got my own opinions in terms of uh, of who I thought may wind up being the best in the offense, uh, but. You know, I, I think it's going to be just based on what I saw, and that was limited. Um, but you know, I don't think any one of those three would necessarily be a bad choice for next year. I mean, I think they're going to put up a lot of points on offense next year. Now, I think defensively, they're you know that was the biggest difference. I mean, I, I just been down at Clemson and at Florida State; those teams have some dudes up front on defense, and with, with the guys that were out for Carolina even accounting for the guys that were out for Carolina, they just don't have those dudes up front and they're going to have to, t- they're going to have to recruit that. And I think they will recruit that under Mac uh, to catch up, but they're going to give up some points as a result this year. Uh, it's a good thing that they've got a very flexible defensive coordinator to, to kind of scheme around that, but teams are going to have a hard time stopping them on offense because the quarterback position is going to be good. They're, they're going to, they're going to have an efficient quarterback in this offense and Longo is going to have more than one guy ready to play. I think that that much is is pretty obvious. Uh, Jason, looking at the three quarterbacks, you know, you, you're right in in the sense that there's not a lot of daylight between the three quarterbacks. I think each of them have different strengths and weaknesses. I don't know exactly how the coaching staff is going to make the call. Um in terms of which one brings the most to the offense. But in terms of Phil Longo's offense, I sort of think that, you know, obviously they want to throw the ball a lot. It's going to be different in the sense uh, from Larry Fedora's offense uh, in in the sense that uh, he was – more about a, a run-heavy offense, a run-heavy spread, uh, where they uh, focus more on uh, being able to run the ball out of the spread, not exclusively, but that was sort of the lean of it. And I think in Phil Longo's offense, there's going to be more of a uh, lean towards being able to throw the ball, not necessarily there's going to be a lot of deep balls, but I don't think that's going to be um, 
more featured than what we've seen, but there's going to be more of a pass intensive um, offense in general. The numbers might not be dramatically different, but I'm looking for an offense that might throw the ball, you know, 53, 54, 55% of the time, as opposed to running it 53, 54, 55% of the time. Is that how you see it, or is it going to be dependent upon the personnel? I, I think it's more the latter. And and talking, getting a chance to talk to, um, to Longo, I, I, he, again, he's not dogmatic about, like, we're going to throw this many times a game, or we're going to run this many times a game. His whole thing was, look, if we're going to get seven, eight yards by handing the ball off, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hand the ball off. If we're, if, we're not be, if we're not able to run on your front, though, then why would I butt my head against the brick wall? We're going to find what works, and we're going to do the heck out of that. That's, that's, that's basically his approach. And, uh, and, and what that is is very much Mike Leach-oriented uh, pass concepts. I mean, it is true air raid. And in the chalk talk stuff, I mean, he kept going back to, yeah, I got this from Coach Leach. This is how he coaches it. Here's how, here's how we do it now based on some things that we've learned since and so on. And, you know, some other coaches in the air raid tree as well with, with that influence. And, and, uh, and actually it was interesting to hear him talk about how some of the biggest influence that he got on in, in terms of how he runs his offense came from, uh, from a defensive coordinator, not from, not from Mike Leach or anybody else. It had to do with how, how he runs specific stuff. So, you know, he named a specific, NFL defense coordinator that he said, I learned more from, from talking with him and breaking stuff down with him about offense than I, than I ever did from any other, from any offensive coach. And it, again, it had to do with, I hate it when, when offensive coaches do this. She's like, all right, well noted. <laughs> so, and, and they were pretty, they were pretty clear that they felt like their best position group was the running back position. That's that's the best position group at this point. And if you've got the if that's your best group, then you know what you're going to do a lot of? You're going to get those guys a ball. So uh so I expect that they're going to be a very balanced offense. They're going to hand the ball off. They're going to run the football a lot in Phil Longo's offense. And he was very clear too, the air raid that they're running is going to look more like Lincoln Riley's at Oklahoma than it is the throw it 60 times a game uh that you see it with Mike Leach. Very Leach influenced in the passing game. But he wants to be able to run the football, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna run it, and they're gonna run it a lot. And with that offensive line, which looked good, uh, again, it's hard to measure because they're they're not going against the best defensive front right now with the, with the guys that are out, and also some personnel gaps on that side. But with that offensive line and those running backs, they're gonna run the football a lot, and uh, and they're gonna be balanced. So I will say this, by the way, also I was shocked by how good Corey Bell looked at, at slot. Talk about somebody that looked natural. It is unbelievable that they did not move him to slot like three years ago with how good he looked at that position. My goodness. Anyway, that's just another talent evaluation thing from this staff. I mean, the willingness to shift positions. And I know Mike Ingersoll and I talked about this off air for a couple of years on why is it that they you don't see guys changing position when it's not working out here. You should be seeing that guy. Why isn't that guy there? Well, <laughs> that's some of that stuff happened. And that one took real nice. <laughs> isn't, it strange, isn't it strange, Jason, that even though they had sort of a deficiency uh, in the secondary numbers-wise, you know, they lost K.J. Sales, they lost C.J. Cotman, and, you know, they, they didn't have, you know, huge numbers at corner, yet they chose to move Corey Bell to wide receiver and kept him there. And... Yeah, that seemed odd to me, but it must have been so apparent to them that it was the right move to make that they did it anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, again, and looking at the at the way that it that it seems to be paying off, uh, it was definitely the right move. And honestly, I mean, Bell, in terms of size and all of that, had had some difficulties at that position, and I think they just basically decided, look, he's not gonna he's not gonna work in what in the scheme that that they're gonna run. He's just not going to work at that position. So let's give him an opportunity to really do something to both show out his own ability and to help the team. And I, I got to say, man, he, he looked really, really good. 
let me take a short break. I want to come back. I want to hit on that topic because I think it's relevant with any new coaching staff. We'll be right back. Jason, let me ask you that. You, you, you know, sort of in that same vein, um, you know, we've talked about uh, attrition, things like that. Folks have fretted over, but as a player in a program, college program in this, you know, it's the same in high school, you've got a coaching staff that's been there for a while and you're sort of baked in to your role. Talk a little bit about, or at least share your opinions on how you think it may be for these players with a whole new staff coming in and a guy like Corey Bell, who, if what you say holds could stand to, you know, blow up at a different position that he may have never seen had there not been a change. I mean, I know it's, uh, it's bound to be nerve wracking for a large part of the team, but I would think for another part of the team, or maybe, you know, an equal part of the team, it's an opportunity maybe that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And this is not to knock any staff on either way. It's not, it's not what I mean in, at all, but just speak to that about the whole, we talk about, oh yeah, they need to hire such and such and they need to do this and you that, Matt Brown, this and that and that, but you got 85 to 110 kids out there or, or young men out there who have a world of opportunity now, maybe that they wouldn't have have. Just speak to that a little bit if you can. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a, a an aspect of basically when you, when, when, a, when a new staff takes over, especially after you, you, you struggled the last couple of years as a team, there's a sense of, of a fresh start that, you know, maybe you feel like a, for some guys, it's going to feel like, you know, the prior staff maybe got, gave up on you or was really down on you. Those guys are going to bounce back. They're going to try to sh- put their best best foot forward for the next staff and and try to prove that you know maybe they're better than the last staff believed. And then the guys that were already on good terms with the last staff, they're also going to be working because they want to prove themselves again. So that in itself is automatically going to have beneficial impact uh, for uh, for a quality staff. And normally you see that that coaches have. Uh, a lot of times their their most successful seasons in a program is season two or season three in the program, even though the roster hasn't completely turned on the roster are working their tails off to actually get things right. And it's amazing what a little buy-in will do. Now, as far as the position change stuff, I got to say, you know, if you are a, a Surratt or if you're a Corey Bell, or if you're one of these other players and you look at this, and the coaches say, "Look, you're 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 not going to play here. You're not going to play at this position. You, we need to move you here." The thing is, now some guys may be really wrapped up in like I'm a quarterback, or I'm no, no, this is my position. Like I don't believe in it, and that that's a possibility. Like some guys, that becomes their identity. But if you're if you're another guy, one of the things that you appreciate is like, look, coach isn't going to just just waste me, just rotting on the bench for years. He's going to do every give me every opportunity, and that sends the message to the rest of the team as well. It's going to give me every opportunity to to not only make a contribution to this team and get on the field so that I play, but also maybe that's my better position for the NFL. And you got a guy like Mac who a lot of position changes over the years that he had with guys at Texas and, and previously at North Carolina. Those guys who he changed their positions went on and actually played in the NFL at their new position. I mean, just look at Mike Ingersoll under under Butch. Same thing. He changed position. And wound up playing some in the NFL for it. He wouldn't have played where he came in. You kidding? But <laughs> Max said, and, and no, I mean, that's Michael you're absolutely the same serious. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. I just laugh because I think about uh, just Mike Ingersoll as, I believe, a tight end. At- yeah, he was a tight end. And that's <laughs> he, was, he was not going to play in the NFL at tight end. I mean, be, come on. And, and, and he'll tell you that's, that's, a, that that's a funny idea. But tell you what Mac Brown looked at or, or I'm sorry uh, uh uh Butch Davis Butch Davis looked at him and said you know what you got you got the athleticism if we if we get you here and you work a little bit yeah you got a chance to play in the NFL at this position what that does is that tells a guy like coach ain't going to give up on me he's going to give me the opportunity to contribute and to and to be the best player and maybe you know what it's somewhere else but at least I'm not just going to get wasted and, you know, if, if a guy beats me out at this position, that doesn't mean that I'm just screwed. It means that, well, you know, maybe if I'm one of the best 11, they're going to find a, a way to move me around. And in, a, in, and in a coordinator like Bateman's scheme, that's even more valuable because they're going to put the best 11 on the field because they're moving guys around just by nature what they're doing defensively anyway. 
And Surratt looked pretty good at linebacker, by the way. So, you know, again, you look at this and I, I think it has a galvanizing impact with the team in general that we're going to find the place where you're the best and we're going to let you contribute there. Buck, your thoughts on that um, before we, or as we sort of get to the end of this podcast, I mean, I think having kids, and I've said this, whether it's on the high school level in whatever sport, I think when you have a team full of players uh, that know they have an opportunity to play and if they work, they will get that opportunity, it raises the whole ship. Um, you know, rising tide raises all boats. And I think that's a big, it's certainly the opposite as well. But I think that's a big thing for Mac Brown as he prepares um, for their end of spring practice with the spring game and then on into the season. I mean, morale is a huge deal and confidence is a huge deal. And I think we've seen thus far that Mac Brown certainly has the gift to give that. Well, I think it makes a difference, a, a big difference, when you have a competent and knowledgeable staff that is talking to you and saying, you know, you may not succeed here, but you might succeed there. And Mac Brown obviously has, uh, you know, at North Carolina, uh, Tommy and I both remember, uh, he, he did that repeatedly uh, when he was at North Carolina during Mac 1.0. Uh, in fact, one of the players on the team today, Miles Dorn, his dad, Torin Dorn, uh, came to UNC as a running back, and I think maybe his first and maybe even his second year he was a running back, and you know, Mac and his staff said, you know what, you, you'd be better off if you moved to the secondary, uh, and you know you could have some impact there. They moved him, and he went on to have a, you know like a double-digit pro career in the secondary in the NFL. So if you have a staff, that has a reputation and a knowledge base of being able to discern, you know, you might be a, you know, adequate running back or an adequate linebacker or an adequate, you know, this or that. But if we move you to a different position, you could actually stand out in that role. Uh, if they have the reputation and the background of doing that, you're more likely to listen to them. I think in Surratt's case, I think at least from what I've heard, it was his decision that he wanted to move to linebacker. But regardless of how that uh, came to be, you know, the the there's there's no shortage really of uh, stories where guys have started out in one spot and ended up in a different spot. And it made their entire career. So, um, you know, when you look at that and you look at what uh, so far Mac Brown has done and some of the moves that he's made, you get back to what Jason said is putting the best 11 players on the field. And, you know, if you might be the second best safety, but the you know, a starter at linebacker. I mean, so those kinds of things come into play and having a staff that already has a, a background and being able to make those determinations just makes the whole situation easier, easier to sell, easier to buy into. And, you know, that pays dividends down the road. Uh, Mac also had a big reputation uh, at North Carolina of moving guys down a position uh, to get more speed on the field. In other words, take a, you know, a guy who was a high school safety, a corner and move him to linebacker and bulk him up a little bit. And then you have just a faster uh, linebacker than somebody that was recruited as linebacker out of high school. So those kinds of things are important especially when you have a staff that is already, um, you know, in that mindset of how do we take this player and put him in the best position to help us excel as a team. It'll be interesting to watch how it all shakes out. I, I want to close the show and, and circle back to where we really started, Jason. We started with uh, Coach Hess and strength and conditioning. And one thing that inside Carolina – 
message board folks have really harped on over the years, especially the last couple, um, have, has been the injury situation. And I saw Mac Brown uh, post-practice this week talk about how they're going to try to evaluate um, those last couple of years just to see where um, where things were happening and how things were happening. But I know that um, with change comes a, a new philosophy or a new um, structure, and Coach Hess certainly brings that to the table. You know, we, we talked a lot on air over the years, the last couple of years especially, about the injuries and were they systematic or were they freak? Um, I think one year's freak, two years maybe a systematic issue. But just your thoughts in general and maybe thoughts of how you think Coach Hess and, and his staff may handle things differently maybe than they were handled in the past, uh, you, you know, and how maybe strength and conditioning is really changing across the board in football. Yeah, I actually specifically asked Hess about this, about how he would handle uh, in season and what you know what what his what his plan was, and I was really impressed by his answer in terms. And, and he actually he actually basically said, "Look, if this was if there was something that uh, he was going to hang his hat on as a as a coach, it was it was his belief that he had a uh, that that he had a specific um, a distinctive and specific way of attacking in season training." You know, it's it's not the way that I've seen anybody else do it, but I really like, in theory, the way that that, that works. I mean, it's it. He's going to have guys on two week cycles that are basically designed to make sure that nothing gets overly fatigued during the season while you're not, while while you're still able to stay under load. And you know, using things like chains, for example, in season, so that when you're say at the bottom of a squat, you're not taking all that much weight, but when you're at the top of the squat. You know, you're not taking anywhere near maximal weight, uh, which the prior staff, by the way, you you saw guys taking almost maximal weight during season in terms of their legs on different lifts, which, you know, what that does, that makes your legs tired. And you know what happens with tired legs? Well, you get hurt. So, um, you know, and, and that's something that that we didn't get from from this staff. That's something that, you know, we we at Inside Carolina had talked about before. In terms of you know some 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 reports from players who had not been real happy and and people who were very knowledgeable about this uh, who said well you know this is what they're asking them to do and we were kind of horrified by you know your legs get tired and that's going to make a difference in terms of whether or not you're able you know you make that one plant and your knee is just a little tired because you you went real heavy on squats earlier that week that's not good what he's getting these guys to do is they'll they'll use chains for example where the the load at the bottom is going to be a hundred pounds less than the load at the top. So you're still under the, under the weights. You're, you're not losing weight during season. You're not losing much strength and you're able to work on explosiveness well uh, and maintain some of that without just grinding guys into bits. And that's something that again was kind of a refrain with this staff of look, we we're not going to approach things the way that, you know, you did in, you know, the eighties and, and, and the seventies and so on. I mean, Phil Longo talked about that. He's like, look, when you get into the, when you get into the modern game, these athletes are so big and so fast that the main thing is if you, if you grind them up, they're going to end up killing each other and you're not going to have a team by November. You're never, you're not going to win any games by, by late in the season. Your, your team's going to tank. He's like, so we're going to do this so that we're, we're peaking at the end of the year. This plan I thought was a really good one. Uh, I'm not going to get into too much of the specifics, but but uh, I felt like he had a very good understanding of how to make sure that guys, by lowering the load at certain places and and adjusting what he's doing in terms of of uh, of periodizing and making sure that you know he keeps th- keep things on a cycle to keep guys moving, but without killing them. I think that's going to end up with some very positive effects in terms of health and in terms of. Uh, of teams that peak late in the season. And I think that's, that's again, uh, something that this staff has thought a lot about and, and I think has done well. They're right. This is state of the art science. Indeed. Matt Brown and his staff, uh, no age questions here, Buck. Uh, they, uh, they are on top of it and as current as it can be. It's amazing how that works, isn't it, Buck? Well, uh, just a reminder that, uh, Tommy and I were in the, uh, vanguard of, uh, Let's hire Mac Brown uh, early on. Uh, so, October, uh, I think. Uh, Tommy, Tommy's bringing that up uh, again. So uh, 
he's never wrong. So uh, just another reminder that Tommy Ashley is never wrong. <laughs> Until I am, and just ignore what I was saying. I was just kidding if I was wrong. <laughs> Jason, I, I do appreciate you taking time to join us. I hope we can talk plenty. Um, I know that you will be busy at some point over the course of the next little while, but as always, you're welcome to come on this show and Buck, I love you. Um, I'm going to need a cigarette after this one, boys. It's been a pleasure to get back together with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoyed it. And and for those that don't know what Tommy's alluding to is Jason and his wife are expecting (laughs) and expecting like any minute. So, uh, his presence on the show is greatly appreciated. Always like to uh, be able to bat things back and forth with Jason about X's and O's. Great to have him on board. And also great to talk to my dear friend, Tommy Ashley, who is never wrong. Yeah. And I'll say uh, just, just for the record, you remember I was skeptical when Matt got hired uh, and I was spe- skeptical when, when all this stuff was going down. And, and I did say the one thing, you know, if, if I'm going to hire a coach, I want to make sure that he's got CEO skills. And that's something that we all agreed Mac had, but I was, I've been waiting to see this whole time. It's like, I want to see who he hires at the coordinators and at strength coach. I've seen that now. And, uh, my skepticism has been answered. So, uh, you know, I think, I think this program is, is definitely going to be heading in the right direction. It is headed in the right direction. Uh, and you know, you're already seeing the returns and recruiting, but you're going to see even more. I think this is a very, very good staff. And Mac has done a great job of surrounding himself with high quality people, uh, that, that, uh, are working toward a, a pretty consistent vision. Good stuff, boys. Spring game, Saturday, 5 o'clock. Uh, get there. You might see Buck and Tommy walking around, and Jason, if he's available, and more of the Inside Carolina crowd and plenty of the Inside Carolina message board folks. Uh, Buck, I know you and I will be there. I hope plenty of people will join us. Can't be today in Chapel Hill, no matter the weather. I agree with that, and I may have more to say about that tomorrow morning. In my with my column uh, about what we're going to be doing and what we're planning. And uh, so just stay tuned for that. Good deal. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I'm Tommy Ashley. Jason Staples and Buck Sanders have been the experts on this one. As always, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.